we um, uh, kick off a, uh, a new Bible study here in a few weeks on September 25th. So September 18th is our baptism celebration, and we have uh, several folks that are being baptized. And if you'd like to, to, to participate, participate in that, if you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to sit down with you and talk with you about that. But on the 25th at 10.45, we start, start our um, Bible study again. Um, and, and the thing that we're really excited about, our, our, our Bible study that kicks off on September 25th, is you guys get to provide the content. And uh, what we want to do, this whole study is going to be about five or six weeks, and it's going to be based on the questions that you turn in. So if you have a question about the Bible, if you have a question about God, if you have a question about Jesus, if you have a question that you've always wanted to ask uh, but didn't know how to ask or kind of was afraid to ask, uh, this is a class for you. And so what we'd like for you to do is you can either email us a, a, a question uh, at info, you know, at gospelcitychurch.com, or you can take a, one of those cards that are in the seats in front of you, and you just write your question. You don't have to, you know, you may not want to attach your name, that's fine, or you may want to attach your name, that's fine. We'll make sure we give you a call, say, hey, we're going to talk about your question this Sunday. But again, don't feel any pressure to uh, write your name down. And then on your way out, you can drop those cards in the white boxes on your way out, and we'll take that uh, to the teaching team that's going to cover that, and they'll kind of get an outline going, and they will show up on uh, starting on September 25th, and we'll just tackle a couple questions a week for about five or six weeks leading up to uh, Christmas. So September 25th, we'll talk about that more often, but you'd be thinking of your question, you're like, oh, I've always wanted to ask this, and uh, I know I'm going to put a question in about dinosaurs. I want to know about the dinosaurs and how do those fit in to the creation story. So anyway, uh, any question that you want to ask, you need to do that. And that's important. I wanna, we want to encourage you guys to participate in this because we live in a culture that is um, so driven by there is no absolute truth. And what's true for you may not be true for me. And uh, we need to know if we're going to really follow Christ, we need to know what truth is because there's so many different options out there, what people say truth can be. Uh, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of different books and podcasts about personal growth. I mean, you, you can go to Amazon and, you know, they're in, in our personal growth books, and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of books listed. You could go to Barnes and Noble and, and their books, their self-help section, and it just continues to grow, um, you know, by the year, more and more self-help books. Um, and, and all of these books and podcasts have different things to say about how self can help self. But the problem is self can't help self because self is broken. Self is broken, so self can't help self. Self is broken. Self is anxious. Self is, is addicted and lost and worried and scared and proud and weak and insecure, all rolled up into one. But there is a book. There is a book that has plenty to say uh, about how we can obtain personal growth. There is a book that has plenty to say about the problems that plague our lives, and it's called the Bible. And so what we want to do is we want to raise all of ours, including myself, um, our awareness of what the Bible says um, about truth what it says about the things that plague our lives. 
And, and the Bible says that Jesus is the answer to every problem that we encounter in life. The Bible says that, that, that growth, personal growth in Jesus is not only possible, but it's inevitable. And that's what we're going to see this morning. We get to uh, see three things that this passage highlights in John chapter 15. And let me just give them to you up front and then we'll unpack them as we go along. But what we see this morning is why we can grow, okay, experience personal growth and grow in our spiritual walks. Uh, we see why we can grow, how we can grow, and why we must grow. So these three things that we're going to get to unpack in John chapter 15. I want to invite you to turn there in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles this morning. If not, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. You can pull it up on your phone. But John chapter 15, um, <clears throat> the last several weeks we've been in John chapter 13 and 14. And uh, both chapters, they, they take place in the, uh, at the Last Supper. And, and so at the end of chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, let's get up and let's leave. And they leave the upper room and they're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, so they're outside the city, city gates now. And Jesus, being the master teacher, they're probably walking through a vineyard. And he sees this vine and he says, oh, oh uh, yes, this is a great opportunity. This is a, uh, a great uh, visual aid that I can use to teach Yet another point. So John chapter 15, let's talk about why we can grow. And the reason why we can grow personally, but also we can grow spiritually, is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's read the first five verses here. Jesus says to his disciples, they're outside the gate, they're outside the city of Jerusalem. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will produce even more fruit. And you are already, are, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And get ready to underline or highlight here because you're going to pick up on a theme really quick. Remain in me. And I also remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear much fruit itself, it must, what? Okay, you're picking up on the theme too. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, that uh, no branch can bear much fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear much fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain, okay, see, I mean, it's clear this morning. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. So if you don't remain in me, if you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And this, this is the major theme. This, this is the, uh, the whole, in, this is the image that the whole passage is built around. Now, now, a branch is only as strong, it's only as, hel as healthy um, as much as it is attached to the stem or, or the trunk or the roots, okay? A branch is only as strong as its attachment to the trunk or the stem or, or the vine. And it's only as strong, and it's only strong and, and healthy as long as the, the vine or, or the stem is taking the nutrients and the moisture and the chemicals and delivering it up the trunk, up, up the stem and into the branches. 
It can only, it can only be healthy if it's receiving the nutrients and the moisture and the, and the chemicals that are in the soil as they're delivered to the branch. And this is the only way a branch can grow. This is the only way a branch can remain strong. This is the only way a branch can remain healthy. That, that growth is the essence of the relationship between the branch and the vine. The branch in the, in the stem. And this is the image of our relationship with Christ. This is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and he's trying to teach us is that we are only as healthy as, we, as our attachment to the vine. Now, other relationships that we have you know, friendships and family dynamics, they're, they're, they're important relationships and, and they're influential relationships, but it's only our relationship with Jesus that Jesus becomes a part of us. It's only our relationship with Jesus that he becomes a part of our nature and we become a part of him that we get to participate in, in this relationship. Uh, Peter writes about this um, you don't have to turn there, but in Second Peter, um, verses uh, chapter one, verses three and four, he talks about this dynamic uh, between of our relationship with Jesus. He says, "His divine power has been given us has given us everything we need for a godly life. So everything that we need, we have been given through this relationship with Jesus Christ, through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness." And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. That's that's a key. That's a theme of our relationship with Jesus, that it's participation, that it's both ways, that it's this communion that we have with, uh, with Jesus, that we may participate in his divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So, so it's, through, it's through the vine, it's through the stem, it's through Jesus that we get to participate in the divine nature of God, that God gives us everything we need for this life. He gives us everything we need to, to follow him. And it's through this relationship with Jesus that we grow spiritually. Now, now here's, a, here's just a quick application to verse 5. If we flip back to... Uh, to John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. It says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So, so what fruit? What fruit is John talking about? What fruit is Jesus talking about? I mean, are we just talking about doing good deeds? Are we just, is that the fruit? Is that the byproduct of our relationship with Jesus? Is that the goal, just to do good deeds? Is, is the goal to, you know, to be involved in a lot of you know, church activities? Is the goal to you know, help a lot of different people? I mean, that may, that's part of it, but that's, I don't think that's what really John is talking or Jesus is talking about here. And, and if we kind of connect the dots to what Jesus is talking about and what Paul talks about in Galatians 5.22, in Galatians 5.22, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is, is love and joy and peace and, and, and forbearance or patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
And so what Jesus is saying there is that the more connected we are to him, the more dependent we are on him because he is the vine and we are the branches. When his nature becomes a part of us, he transforms us from the inside out. And these things, this fruit should be growing in our lives. That as we grow in our knowledge Okay, of who Jesus is, as we grow in our knowledge and experience of, of how much our Heavenly Father loves us and everything He's done for us, we should, by default, become more loving. We should become more joyful. We should have more peace and more patience. Okay, you know, and so, so next time, you know, you know, that we're not being really, you know, patient with the kids. Maybe we need to kind of check our connection, our dependence on, on the Lord. Teenagers, next time, you know, your, your, your parents lose their patience with you, you just kind of say, hey, do you need to go spend some time with Jesus? <laughs> I, 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 would, I wouldn't do that. I, I, now, now, 17-year-old me probably would have done that, but, uh, but definitely my 17-year-old my better not do that to me. Um, but, uh, but the more we remain in him, the more fruit we bear, the more, the more these things grow in us. So why can we grow? We can grow because of our relationship with Jesus. So, so how can we grow? Well, let, let's, uh, let's keep reading. Verse 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. It's the whole image of this whole passage. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me and my, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So he, he said two things, remain in my words and remain in my love. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what, what does it mean to remain or abide? Well, two things Jesus gives us. He says that we need to remain in his word and we need to remain or abide in his Love. So let's talk about how do we remain in his word. So he says, if you remain in my word, you will bear much fruit. Now, th there's a difference, okay, between reading the Bible just to get information and reading the Bible for, uh, uh, for inspiration. That there's a difference between just reading the Bible just to kind of check it off your list because, you know, you're working through, you know, I'm going to read the Bible in a year or two years or three years or whatever. And actually remaining in it and, and um, basking in it and, and meditating on it. That there's a difference between meditating on the Word of God and just reading it to, to, to mark off your to-do list. And Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he says, May the word of God dwell in you richly. That we need to let, the, what Paul is saying is we need to let the word of God um, become a part of us. That we need to allow it to become our lens in which we view everything in life. That the word of God becomes the lens in which we view culture, in which we view money and how we approach our relationships and how we approach family and how we approach work. 
So, so let's just apply this real practically to our lives. Let, let's say that something is giving us, uh, is causing us tremendous anxiety, okay? Um, there's something that we're really worried about, okay? And there, there are times in our lives that something pops up. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a health thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a job thing, a family thing, whatever it is. And it causes us a lot of concern, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety. It keeps us up at night. Well, what do we do about that? Well, first thing we can do is we can turn to our notes and th- go through our notes about these amazing sermons that we've been listening to for the past year, right? It's one thing we can do. Uh, but maybe, maybe you know, we, uh, you know we, we don't have our notebook handy, okay? So I, I get it, I get it. So we, we go to plan B, uh, is that we can Google verses about worry and anxiety, Okay, and, and several verses are going to come up. I, I jotted down a few of them that, that have mean, meant a lot to me because I kind of struggle with worry and anxiety and fear at times in my life. And so Philippians 4, 6 is going to pop up. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with all of you. So, so what we need to do is we need to let the Bible, we need to let God's word address our hearts. We need to let the word of God argue with our, with our minds. We need to let the word of God preach to us to the point where it becomes a part of us. That it's the discipline of meditation, it's the discipline of reflection, it's the discipline of studying. It's saying, how can I make this a part of who I am? And so instead of just reading a chapter and checking it off the list, we, aim, we may only get to these first five verses in John chapter 15. If we're remaining and abiding and, and processing and thinking about it, and you know, that we, we read those first five verses, and then we're like, okay, well, and what does it mean for, for, for God the Father to be the gardener? And what, what does that mean? And so maybe we Google the gardening process and what, you know, what are all the benefits of pruning? And when we prune a branch, it really makes it healthier and stronger and can, can bear more fruit. And you're thinking about that. And then the weekend rolls around and uh, you're in the flower beds and you know, you're working in the flower beds because they, you know, they, they kind of got out of control over the summer. And then with the rain you know, that we've had, they, they've kind of outgrown. You're trimming back the, the, you know, the plants and you're pulling out the weeds and you're pruning some branches and then all of a sudden you're thinking about this John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and then you step back and you see how much more beautiful it is and how much joy and pride and happiness it brings and then all of a sudden John chapter 15 lands on your heart and you're like, oh, this is what it's talking about. This, these plants are healthier because I prune back the dead branches. I prune back the unhealthy branches. And now it's, it's healthier. It's stronger. It, it, it's going to bring more fruit and more flowers. And how happy this makes me. That must be like a million times more of how much joy it brings my father when I bear fruit for him. That's what it means to remain in his word, to abide, to think about it, to process it. And that doesn't happen just in one day. Happens over consistent days as we think and abide 
in him. Second way to abide, he says, in his love. He says, if, you, if, my, if my love remains in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, a Christian is someone who has put their faith in Jesus, right? That maybe, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a great question. Somebody needs to write down on a card. What makes a person a Christian? Just drop it in the box and they'll answer that. But a Christian is someone who, who says that there was a time in my life I was trying to be my own savior. I was trying to, to make myself acceptable to God through a bunch of religious activity and good deeds. <clears throat> but I came to my father and I said, Father, don't accept me based on my performance, but accept me based on the performance of Jesus for me. Base me, <clears throat> accept me based on what Jesus has done for me, not my record, but his record. And once we do that, the minute we put our faith in Jesus, our, our sins are wiped clean. That we become alive, spiritually alive in Christ. That we become adopted sons and daughters of our heavenly father. And we are completely loved and accepted. Watch, listen, don't miss this. Uh, a Christian does not grow in how much they are loved by God. A Christian does not grow in how loved we are. The minute we put our faith in Jesus, we are as loved by God as we will ever be. That God's love knows no increase. God's love knows no decrease. There are no degrees when it comes to God's love. We, we, we don't get, we, we are not loved more when we quote unquote are good and we are not loved less when we are quote unquote bad and we mess up and we sin. And to remain in God's love doesn't mean that God's love for us or towards us grows. To remain in God's love means that our awareness of how much he loves us grows. You get that? It, that if we remain and we just think about how much our heavenly father loves us, that, that, that we become more aware of his love for us. It's knowing that we are God's beloved. And we keep bringing up this word beloved from time to time because it's a great word we don't really use a whole lot. In our culture. And beloved means that we are richly and wholly and freely and completely and unconditionally loved by God. That God cannot love us any more and He cannot love us any less. We are completely loved by Him. And when we meditate on that, when we remain in that, when we abide in that, that will eventually become the reason or our motivation of everything that we do for Him. It's no longer a makeup call. It's no longer because we feel guilty. It's no longer to tip the scale our way. We realize I'm done with all of that. I'm just basking in how much he loves me. And so, and that is my identity. And that's going to be my motivation to go out and do the things that I do as a Christian. So let's apply this practically to our lives. <clears throat> all of us know what it's like to be rejected to be betrayed, to be gossiped about. We all know the sting of that, okay? And, and we're not gonna take away or minimize that, that pain of rejection or betrayal. But it does mean when we're remaining and biting in God's love and we're realizing how much he loves 
us, then we start to realize that, that there's nobody in this world whose, whose acceptance and approval and love is greater than his. And we already have his approval and acceptance and his love. And so, yes, what they did to me and what they said about me, it hurt. And that doesn't really minimize the pain in that, but it does knock it off center. And it's no longer the center of our hearts and controlling how we feel. And we begin to be able to move forward realizing just how much God loves us. That's grabbing onto the gospel every single day. And that's, that's what it means to remain or abide in him. That we see growth, we see progress when we cling to his words and we cling to his love. So let's... Finish this off with why must we grow? Jesus says in verses one and two, he says, I, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit or be more fruitful. See, the, the fruit on the branch, it does not give us life. The fruit on the branch reveals that there's life there. Okay, the fruit on the branch doesn't give life, but the fruit on the branch tells us that we are alive. And so we need to kind of maybe, maybe ask some close friends, say, hey, am I, am, I, am I more patient than I was six months ago? Am I, maybe not ask your kids, but ask some trusted friends, you know, am I, am I more joyful? You know, am I, am I more courageous? courageous? Am, I, am I more self-controlled? Am I less worried? Am I less anxious? Am I less angry than I was six months ago? Because that's the fruit and that means that we're alive. So what do we do if we don't see fruit on our branches? Well, two things. Number one, first and foremost, we need to ask ourselves, have we really placed our faith in Jesus? Have we really done that? Have we really transferred our trust and our, uh, to Jesus instead of us? Have we really done that? Have we really established personal faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me? And I'm resting in that and counting on that and banking on that for forgiveness of sin. And it has nothing to do with me, but everything to do about Jesus. That's where we start. We need to ask ourselves first that question. And then second, if, if it's a yes to that, then the second question, thing that we need to remember is we need to recognize that fruit doesn't grow during the winter and there are seasons of drought. That fruit doesn't grow in the winter and there are seasons of drought. That sometimes God's, God allows us to go through a season of winter or drought so that the things that he's been teaching us become a part of us. There are times in our lives that God allows us to go through a drought. He allows us to to go through a winter so that the things that he's been teaching us become a part of us. And we go through these seasons so that God can remove the branches. He can remove the dead branches. He can prune back the fruitful branches. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes that's difficult. Yes, it hurts when a relationship is pruned out of our lives. But it just means that we're going to bear more fruit. And the point is that winter is only a season. And that after winter comes spring and summer and much, much fruit. And the band's going to come. And they're, uh, 
just going to teach us this song that, uh, that Caleb mentioned, Abide. And as we really think about what does it mean to abide in his word? What does it mean to abide in his love, to remember everything that Jesus has done for us? And remember how much our Father loves us. And if we ever question, does God really love me? The Bible says that while we were still yet sinners, while we were still enemies of God, he demonstrated his love for us by sending Christ to the cross. So if we ever question, well, does God really love me? The answer is yes. If we ever wonder where we're going through a season of winter or drought, well, is God even there? Well, let's Google some verses and let's remember that in Isaiah 41.10, he says, So do not fear, for I am with you. It may not feel like it, but, but God's word is going to override our feelings. We're going to remember the promises. Remember, he talks about that. If we remain in him, we'll discover these promises. And that's a promise that he will not leave us nor forsake us.